If you have been blessed with more than one child, you may have words, used words like these. Here we go again. In that expression, there are mixed feelings. You're bringing in a new life. There's a lot of joy, but there's a lot of challenges coming your way. Now the phrase, here we go again, can be used in respect to history. How often do societies repeat their failings? How often have the Lord's people stumbled over that proverbial log? We can look at their decisions in the scriptural text over the decades and over the centuries and think, why didn't you get it the first time? Consider God's viewpoint as he looks at the Lord's people over the centuries. Here we go again. And that's the title of the lesson. Here we go again. Generations, focus, and opportunities. So the first point is generations. Like a road trip, trouble comes in whatever direction you may travel. And there are many ways to describe this trouble. Anybody here have a dog who likes to bolt? And you have to go, oh, i got to chase that dumb thing again. Or that cow who continues to think that grass is greener on the other side of the fence. And so he finds that hole or he breaks down that fence as easily as they could do. Maybe it's that cat. Anybody here cat people? What does a cat do when they see that nice pretty glass jar right on the edge of the cabinet? Swoop, as Crystal pointed out. Here we go again. I've got to clean up more glass. But animals aren't the only thing that makes us say, here we go again, is it? Those children that we have. That one who is ornery and likes to cause a lot of mischief. How about those who like to argue because they believe that they know everything? Or maybe the one who is a complainer. It doesn't matter what it is. They're going to complain. They're seeking attention. But that being that Israel and Christians are described as a family in Scripture, there is no doubt in my mind that God sometimes says, here we go again. The nation of Israel was a family, but on a grander scale. When the prophet Malachi lived, if you read my last newsletter, you'll be up to date on a little bit of what I'm talking about. The people had been away from Babylonian exile for about a hundred years now. The temple was rebuilt. The walls around Jerusalem were being rebuilt, if not rebuilt already. And the people of Israel were moving on with their life. Yet the people needed continual prodding to keep them in the right direction. One challenge they grew into was that of a cheap religion. When I say cheap, I mean they considered it and God low on their priority list. Religion was cheap. God was cheap. 
their responsibilities before God was cheap. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? Malachi chapter 1, verse 2. From God's point of view, they thought, how little, how little do I need to add to my faith? That was basically their thinking. For God's complaint wasn't of a people who were still worshiping false gods as they were prior to the Babylonian captivity, but a people who worshiped God in the least possible way. Do you remember what the two greatest commandments are? According to what Jesus said, to love God and to love our neighbor. Jesus said it well in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 and following. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So how were the people of God, the Jewish nation, to show their love for God? Well, as you know, one way to show worship and appreciation under the old law was in sacrifice. God deserves our best, doesn't he? Does God deserve our best or our least? He deserves our best in worship and appreciation. And that best is shown in the quality of the sacrifice. A sacrifice that was in poor condition. And you know what the sacrifice was, right? An animal. A sacrifice that was in poor condition was a sacrifice that puts God on the lowest rung of priorities. Is the blind or lame good enough for God? Well, it's good enough for me to give to Him. But is the lame or the blame blind animal, lame or blind animal, what God wants in His sacrifice? Not at all. He didn't want that. What if I bring a second-rate animal and leave the quality one in the pen? We need that one for breeding. We need that one for the party we're about to have. We need that one. So what was the big problem for this people during Malachi's time? They didn't really love God. Ouch. Hold on. We have the temple over there. We just built the walls. We're your people. But they didn't really love God because God became secondary. And this was shown in their sacrifice. Malachi chapter 1 verses 13 and 14. But you say, what a weariness this is. And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence. Or is lame or sick? And this you bring as your offering? Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? 
Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. The second point is focus. If we lived under this religion that used animal sacrifices, especially during Malachi's time, one beautiful aspect about bringing offerings to God is that it is an expression of the worshiper's moral and spiritual life. Were they proud to parade their animal that was going to be sacrificed to the Lord? Or maybe did they cover it up with a rug so you just didn't see all the blemishes? These people were struggling with their sincerity before the Lord. Since God is looking for the best, everyone should be proud to bring their best. Not only in their sacrifices, but in their offerings and tithes, which was a part of the old law. But God says they were what? Robbing him. They were robbing God. Malachi chapter 3, 8 through 9. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. You'd wonder, after all that exile, after all that time, they would have learned their lesson and appreciated God for who he was and is. But... Here we go again. Their love had diminished. Now the people weren't the only ones that were a bit concerned, even the priests. One of the priests' responsibility was to verify that the offerings were acceptable. Kind of like USDA? Or what's that called? Agriculture? They put their stamp of approval on the meat when you take it to the meat packing plant, right? And if it's not there, it's not acceptable for human consumption. Well, the priests are supposed to be there to say, hey, this is acceptable for God's consumption. But they weren't doing their job. They knew what was acceptable. It's found in the law of Moses. However, even the priests did not follow God's teachings. Matthew, Malachi chapter 1, verse 8. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? When you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you and show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? Ah. No, if it was Nehemiah, right? Nehemiah doesn't seem like a guy that was an easy pushover. Though the people were not about worshiping false gods, they might as well have been. Since God whom they were worshiping was not being truly honored. They were again losing focus. Can you hear God say, here we go again. 
Thankfully, we have a God who understands the importance of a quality sacrifice. I can hear an amen on that one. Do we have a God who understands the importance of a quality sacrifice? Amen. His sacrifice was, was focused from the very beginning. He was very clear at bringing the perfect sacrifice. Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we have been healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Jesus is that sacrifice. That's why we're here, is it not? To recognize the sacrifice of Jesus in our lives. And God the Father was proud to display his sacrifice for all to see. He said, he said, look at the quality of that sacrifice. Look at the quality of my son Jesus. Not a blemish on him. He didn't have a sin. He didn't even have a broken bone. Yet, he will be and is the sacrifice for our sins. How proud was God? Do you remember his words a few times in Scripture? This is my beloved son. He could have also said, This is my perfect sacrifice. He was proud to give his best for us who are unworthy. And yet, how many times do we give the least? The third point, opportunities. We have opportunities to show that we love God. I was at Petco the other day. <laughs> this is kind of funny for me, just buying some supplies. Two black ladies passed me by in the, in the store, and one time we almost ran into each other in the slim walkways. We kind of danced around each other, and we laughed, and we thought that was funny. She said dance, I said dance. We're dancing, so we got a good giggle. And then we met at the checkout time. I had a few things up there already, so I left them behind to go back and retrieve something else. They knew I was there and offered me my spot back. I declined because the line had already gotten significantly longer. I also, believe it or not, made a joke. Can you imagine that? I'm pretty quiet when it comes to that. And I made the whole line laugh. Score. I like that. Anyway, these nice ladies left, uh, left and then drove up to me in the parking lot. I'm like, okay, somebody's following me. Hmm. And they rolled down the window and smiled big. They were spitting with me and said I was so nice. That doesn't happen often. Somebody come up to you and just say something like that. So I opened my jacket as we discovered, or as we continued, and I showed them my why. And it said on the t-shirt, y'all need Jesus. 
And they just shouted out in the car, We knew it! <laughs> we knew it! We talked longer, but I shared, but what I shared will be good enough for the illustration. My point is, wouldn't it be nice for God to say, Here we go again in a positive way? Here we go again. He's at it. He's sharing the news and the situation he has. That we are sharing the gospel of Christ in a quality way. A way that you can be proud of. A way that God can say, I accept that offering. It's not the least you can give. You're doing it. <clears throat> it's a type of sacrifice, if you want to put it in those terms. Paul seemed to be a master at taking the opportunity to share the gospel of Christ. I mean, some of it was pretty much thrown on him. I mean, if I was happening what happened to him, I'd be curled up in the bed or the prison in the corner going, whoa, it's me, but he didn't do that. At least that's not what's written about. He took the opportunities to use what he had at the moment to share the gospel of Christ. So while under house arrest in Rome, <clears throat> what did Paul do? He gave himself to God. And it was a quality sacrifice. Acts chapter 28, verses 30 and 31. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So do you think God was pleased with his sacrifice? Yeah, I do too. But God gave the perfect sacrifice. Do you realize how much He loves us? He gave Himself. He gave the best. So that we can be with Him. I hope we would never turn into a people who say to God, what have you done for us? That's what they were saying in Malachi's time. And that would be a terrible thing to do, wouldn't it? For that would mean that we really would have lost our way. We would have lost our focus, our, our, our sincerity, our, our love for God. To think, what have you really done for us? I would rather have us look at God and say, what did, look what he did again. Look what he did again. How many here enjoy the sunrise and the sunset? Look what he did again. How many enjoy a cold, cool glass on a, a drink on a summer's hot evening? Look what he provided again. Seek the opportunity to praise God because God is the giver of good gifts. 
You're not going to beat them. But that doesn't mean we should give the lowest quality, does it? Of what we can give? If not, if you are, I hope you will change your outlook and begin putting God first. Listen to this story. It's, it's a well-known, I believe it's Greek originally, but it's been amalgamated. A man had the opportunity to see heaven and hell. So he got to see hell first. He was sent to a big room, and all the people were gathered around a meal. But the meal was a pot of stew, and the stew smelled delicious. You probably know where I'm going. Everybody had a long-handled spoon. And they couldn't feed themselves because the spoon handle was too long. So everybody in hell was emaciated, grumpy, mean, angry, starving. So the man was sent to heaven. The exact same room. A nice pot of stew. And everybody had... A long spoon. They couldn't feed themselves. But guess what? Nobody was going hungry and everybody was happy. Why? Because they learned to share with each other the blessings before them. They were happy and they were fed. In conclusion, the first point was generations. Is our family one that doesn't love God properly like they didn't do in Malachi's time? When they decided, what's the least we can do? Second point is focus. Is our sacrifice one that follows God's example of quality like that of his son? That's quality. That's quality. And three opportunities. Does God look at our family and say, here we go again, in a negative way? Or does He say, here we go again, in a positive way? The lesson is yours. If there's anybody here this morning who has any concerns, prayer requests, or otherwise, God,